every follower of Jesus has been called and sent by Jesus to alert others to the kingdom of God. And our goal in starting the Hills Church was never to start a, just a Sunday club. Like we want it to be a movement involving all of God's people. And for me, as a pastor, sometimes people look at, at people in full-time ministry and, and think, man, they, they're really called to follow Jesus. But really, when we look at Scripture, when we follow Jesus, we're all equally called to follow Jesus with the same amount of devotion. Like, I mean, whether you're somebody up here or someone who, who loves Jesus or met Jesus last week, the call for all of us is to follow Jesus with the same amount of devotion. There's, there's no, like, tiers of, of how much we should be following Jesus. And so in our sermon series called Beats, we're looking at the rhythms that we need to have in our life to be used by God to make disciples, to be disciples. Uh, in our theme verse has been Colossians chapter two, uh, 4, verse 2 through 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 6. Um, and we usually have the scriptures and everything up on the screen. And I forgot to send the attachment to the person. Uh, it's actually, Najee helps me get everything going. So that you're just going to have to take my word for it or write it down, look it up later. There's a Bible underneath your chair. Um, this is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. And back this couple months ago, we, talked to, we looked at this verse, and, and from this verse we see that we are to live questionable lives, like lives that evoke questions from those around us. Like, why, why do you live that way? And so a few things practically just to get us all up to speed. Uh, the first rhythm, the first beat that we need in our life is a, a rhythm of blessing others. And my challenge for us as a church, for everybody, is to bless one person this week. We, so I taught on this, it's about eight weeks ago now. How are we doing? Everybody blessing one person a week? You're like, oh, don't make eye contact, don't call on me. Uh, it's all right, so we're reviewing, we're doing it again. Uh, just find one person this week, it can be a word of affirmation, it can be an act of kindness, it can be uh, a, a gift giving. So finding somebody uh, to bless one person every week. Our second rhythm is eat with one person this week. Share a meal, share a coffee with, with one person. And uh, yeah, our, our third rhythm we looked at last week is spend at least one period of the week listening for the Spirit's voice. Like we want to be in tune with what the Holy Spirit's saying, what He's doing in our lives. So just take one period of the week, stop and listen to uh, what, what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us. Because if we're out, if we're blessing our neighbors, if we're sharing meals with a coworker, there's going to be a time where God may want to be speaking something through us to them. Like maybe they're talking about a rough patch in their a relationship. Maybe they're talking about some fears or, or failures that they're they experienced recently. Uh, maybe their, their job is kind of in limbo. They're not sure if they're going to have a job next week. And in that moment, if we've been listening to the Spirit of God, then we can speak into their life as God is, is speaking through us. Um, and there's really there's two extremes that as Christians, we want to avoid. And I've got just a, a little diagram here for you. So on, on one side, this is what I call like the holy huddle. 
Like we all just kind of gather around ourselves and we're very judgmental. Like we don't like what people out there are doing uh, with Phariseeism, pietism, very judgmental. And the other side of the spectrum is like we just go with the flow. We, we look like the world, we, we think like the world, we, we, we act, uh, drunkenness, gossip, gluttony. So, like, there's two extremes, very ascetic, and this all other approach is, like, all in. And it's easy to, to see when we're on one side or the other. Right? It's easier to be judgmental and closed off. It's harder to be in the middle, and that's where I think the Holy Spirit wants us to be, not going to either extreme, but blessing our neighbors, spending, spending time with people, um, who, who don't know Jesus, but at the same time, not just wholeheartedly embracing culture. So somewhere in the middle, and the only way that we can do that is if we're listening to the Holy Spirit. And last week we had a, a guest speaker, Will Jones, and he gave us just a few tips on how, how we can listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'll just briefly uh, run through that. But he said, uh, learn to quiet yourself. Just Hey, that's pretty good right there. You guys did all right. Uh, invite the Holy Spirit in. Set a designated time and place. It's like I would even put it on your calendar. Like um, on Wednesdays at 6 a.m. or 8 p.m. for this just 30 minutes, I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen to what the Holy Spirit might be saying. Tune out distractions. Put, put away the screens. Embrace what you hear from the Holy Spirit and neglect possible consequences. Um, so we need to be spending time listening to the Holy Spirit. The next rhythm I want to focus on for the rest of our time today, the, so these, again, these are rhythms we want to be used by God. We don't want the same old, same old, but what are the things we need in our lives to, to see that happen? And so my challenge for you this week is to spend at least one period of time learning Christ. That's it. One period of time learning Christ. Because when we live curious lives, lives, uh, and when we're a joyous presence in the lives of others, hopefully they're going to have some questions about this Jesus that we serve. But what are we going to tell them? Like, if, we're, if we don't know Jesus, if we don't, um, if we're not learning Christ, we're not going to have much to say in that moment. And so this term, learn Christ, is something that's been around in the church for, for a lot of years. And uh, I don't know how long ago, but maybe 20 years ago, it was fashionable to say, what would Jesus do? You guys remember that? Uh, WWJD bracelets. Anyone still, still rocking it? Zach, thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, now, the very, one of the very first books I ever remember reading was uh, called What Would Jesus Do? And it was a modern version of a book called In His Steps by Charles Sheldon, a book written about 100 years ago. And In His Steps, it tried to answer that question in a, in a fictional story of like if, if Jesus came to town, how he would treat people. And the, um, the original publisher didn't set the copyright correctly on that book. And so other publishers picked it up and began to print it at a very uh, below market value. And so like it caught fire and millions of copies sold of this book. And there were over 50 million copies of In His Steps in print. One of the, the, the 50 uh, best-selling novels of all time, In His Steps. It's kind of ironic. I was thinking, like, how would Jesus, if he were to write a book and sell it, what would he do? Probably give it away for free, just like that book. It's uh, amazing. But uh, so the idea, what would Jesus do? Um, that's simple, easy. What would the Son of God do? It's not so simple. And, in fact, we can get it wrong. And I think the church has at times gotten it wrong because we have uh, maybe a wrong idea about who Jesus is 
or like the, the heart of Jesus. And I'm going I'm to show you a video clip, but let me set this up. This is what would happen if, if you had a wrong view of Jesus, all right? So just, just go with it. Uh, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about, but if how it might look, go ahead. And, uh, Do you think he can fly? Here he comes. That's Jesus coming down. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you, I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Um, Philip, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. <laughs> Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. All right, all right. Uh, so that's it. That is, I don't know what your image of Jesus is, but sometimes when we think of Jesus, it, it's off base. Like, that, that's off base, right? That is not right. I hope you found it funny. Don't, it's not. Like, that's blasphemous. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but the point is, if, if we are answering the question, like, if Jesus in this moment, how am I going to be sharing Jesus with this person? And we've got that view of Jesus in our mind. It's not going to be very life-transforming, will it? Um, and so the, the way that we get to know Jesus and learn Jesus is a deep and ongoing study of the Gospels. Like, we need to, to know the Gospels front and back, just our lives totally marinated in the Gospels. So we're talking about the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, the standard definition of a disciple is it's a noun, but it's someone who adheres to the teachings of another. And we're not even talking, like, necessarily religious, but if you're a disciple of someone, you follow their teachings, it's a follower or a learner, uh, it refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. Like, and that's our call, to, to take up the ways of Jesus. Um, and, and because of God's grace in our lives, our, our words and our, our actions begin to reflect that of our Savior. I mean, maybe not immediately, but over time, that is, that is where we are headed as believers. C.S. Lewis, in his, his work, Mere Christianity, uh, you should read it. He says this about this idea of, of being a disciple. He said, In the same way the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ to make them little Christ. 
if they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It says in the Bible that the whole universe was made for Christ and that uh, everything is to be gathered together in him. He says this is the whole of Christianity. There is nothing else. It's easy to get muddied. So the point is Jesus. Like for Jesus to be lifted up for our lives to reflect our Savior. And now, um, now he calls us little Christ. And it doesn't mean he's, he's not saying that we are, in fact, um, deity like Christ, but that our lives should re- reflect Jesus. So my, my death is not going to save anybody, right? I, I, there's no sal- saving power in my death like there is in Christ. But I can uh, sacrifice certain aspects of my life for someone else. So there are things that we, we can, in fact, um, reflect of, of Jesus. And so just a few uh, verses uh, to look at. As we go through this, and I'm going to go pretty quick, so maybe just get the reference down and you can look it up later. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, this is uh, Paul. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Philippians 2.5 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.10 said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in the suffering, becoming like him in his death. So all these verses have this theme of like being like Jesus, following Jesus. John chapter 13, verse 14, and this is Jesus talking. He says, now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. And then uh, 1 John 2, verse 6, and this is John talking. He says, whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus did. Right? This is like it's kind of basic, but it's not easy, right? To to live as Jesus did. Second Peter 3:18. These are the last words that we have recorded in scripture from Peter. And this is what he says in his letter. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and forever. And then John in 1 John 3:2 says, "Dear friends, now We are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Like, we're trying to follow Jesus, and in our following Jesus, we're never going to be like Jesus. But there is a hope that one day we will see Jesus, and finally we will be like Jesus, fully redeemed and restored. So we need to know the Gospels backwards and, and forwards. And, and just one caveat here that uh, Jesus is the author of all the Scripture. So it's not like we're neglecting the rest of Scripture. And, and if you haven't got on our two-year Bible reading plan yet, if you don't have your own Bible, Bible reading plan, I keep a digital copy on my phone. You can get it, see it on our website, uh, in our Rhythm of Life booklets. Uh, we, we read through scriptures, but how do we learn Christ? Let me just give you some real practical things to do. Uh, the first thing, I've said this already, but read the Gospels, and then reread them, and then reread them again. Just read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Try reading the Gospel in one setting. Like sit down, the Gospel of Mark is the shortest, so you might want to start there. Um, it takes about 90 minutes just to sit down, read the whole thing through. 
So read, read through a gospel. I, I did that this week. I thought, well, if I'm going to be preaching this stuff. I better be doing it. Uh, so I sat down, read through uh, the gospel of Mark. Um, the other ones take a bit longer. Matthew and Luke will take about two and a half hours. John takes about two hours. Or try reading different translations of Scripture. We have so many translations of, of Scripture these days. I've got a, a little bit of a diagram to show you. Uh, this is just a few of the different translations, and these are all free online. They're free if you, if you use a smartphone, Bible app, or, or looking up online. So on the, on the left side, these are what we call like literal translations, and there's really only one literal translation, and that's what's called the interlinear Bible. And so if you Google that, you can see that, and if you try to read that in English, it's gibberish, because Greek and English, like a one-for-one match, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And so you have some, some other versions, the, the New American Standard, uh, the ESV is, is kind of popular these days, uh, the, the old standard, King James, right, right up there. Um, so these are word-for-word. Word. As, as you go to the right, instead of just a word-for-word word translation, it becomes more thought-for-thought. Thought. So in, in the middle, NIV, that's what we have here in the, that we use. And as you go over to the right, this is what we'd call a paraphrase. It's not really a translation. The, off, the translator's taking a little bit of liberty and to try to modernize. Um, and so you have the Living Bible was the first one of that genre. Um, and then recently the message has become popular, so it's, it's, one, off, it's one translator. Um, so if you're trying to do like scholarly work, Living Bible, the message, pro- probably not the best. You want to come back towards something, towards the center, or something a little more uh, literal. Um, and, I, and so you, you might be thinking, well, why don't we just go with the word for word? That's closest. Well, who knows how much a, a denarii is worth? Exactly. So if you're reading along and he says the person gave a, a hundred denarii, that doesn't mean much to us. But in the a thought for thought, NIV is going to say, well, that's four months' wages. So that's the idea. Like, we don't understand some of these words, but so they, um, they help us. So read. I had someone ask, like, what, what type of Bible translation do you use over there at the Hills Church? And I'm like, I just, my concern is that people read the Bible, you know? We'll, we'll get the translations figured out later. Read it, love it, live it. Um, and we can go into more depth about translations. My point is, try a different translation. Like if you like one and you've been reading it for a certain amount of years, find a different one. See it from a different perspective. Um, so another, something else to help you as, you as you're reading Scripture, observe the details. Write it down. Um, Think about where does this fit in Scripture. Fit is a good word for you. If you're in, in real estate, what's the mantra in real estate when you're going to buy a property? Location. Location. There we go. Location. Right? In reading Scripture, we have a mantra. It's called context. 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 Like, let's keep it in the context. And just one, one brief example, and this isn't in the Gospels, but it's an easy one because most people have heard of uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me strength, depending on which version you're on right there. Um, right, great verse. Memorize it. And in the context, what is happening there is Paul is saying, I have learned to be content whether I've had nothing or whether I've had a lot, whether I've been persecuted or whether I've been free. I can do all things. That's Philippians 4, 12 through 14. And then he says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. So if you ever find yourself in prison for your faith or persecuted, then by all means, say, I can do all things through Christ. 
who gives me strength. That is the context. If you're at the gym and you're trying to push up 300 pounds, I can do all things. That's probably not a good application of that text. Uh, so we, what, what is the, the context? So um, where does it fit? Another, write down your questions. Get some outside help. Like the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, different culture, different language. Get some help. Um, I, would en- I would encourage everybody. This, this little book uh, we use in our meetups, it's called How to Read the Bible Book by Book. It gives a in- little bit of introduction uh, to each book of the Bible, sets the frame, like what's happening, how it fits into the overall story. Uh, so you can pick that one up. Uh, there's another resource I've talked about before. It's called The Bible Project. Go to thebibleproject.com. Incredible videos, like eight minutes. They'll give you an overview of, of the, the passage, of the, what you're reading, so it helps you understand it. Uh, they're, they're, I haven't come across a video yet where I was like, eh, I don't know. They're, they're really solid, so check that out. Read, read some books about Jesus, just outside of the Gospels. Uh, I got a couple just pulled off the shelf. Uh, Jesus the King by Tim Keller. Uh, and the one a little older. And it says it was voted best book of the year, so it must be good. It's right there on the cover. Uh, the Jesus I Never Knew. Uh, and it, it was, I've read it a couple times. Very helpful. In fact, I had an extra copy on my shelf. Uh, anybody like a copy of that? First hand, right there. Come on, all right. You guys thought I was up to something. That's all. There you go, sure. That's all the goodies I have today. Uh, but read, read books about Jesus. Read and study in community. One of the, uh, the benefits of the Protestant Reformation is getting Scripture back into everyone's life. Up until that point, the only people who knew uh, Scripture or could read Scripture were the priests, the monks, because they were afraid what would happen if the Scripture got into the hands of the people. And uh, so we start, we read Scripture uh, individually, but don't just stop there. Like we need to be reading Scripture together and studying Scripture together. Um, and our, our meetups are a great place to do that. Um, so we get in the Gospels. We bless, we eat, we, we listen to the Spirit, we learn Christ, and we change the world. Or maybe our neighbor, neighborhood. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the city. Uh, have, have you ever sat down with somebody and you just, within a few minutes of the conversation, you know like what they're passionate about? Like they have a hobby, and, and you didn't start out talking about that conversation, but, and maybe every time you're together, they start talking about that same hobby. Maybe it's someone with a, you know, just had a, had a baby. Like when you first have a baby, you're telling everybody about your baby, and the first time your baby does this and uh, does that, and like that's just, it's a consuming uh, passion that, uh, that we have. And, and they're not, when someone has a, is passionate about something, they're not telling you three things they love about that. Like giving an outline, like, well, I love this person because this and this and this. They're just, it just flows out of who they are. Now, when I was about seven or eight, I became passionate about Michael Jordan. He was, he was the man, uh, Michael Jordan, born for February 17, 1963, six foot six. Uh, he, in uh, 1982, he's playing for North Carolina. As a freshman, he hit the game, game-winning shot at the national championship. He went on to win player of the year. Uh, he was drafted in 1984, and that same year, he also led Team USA, this is before the Dream Team, to the gold medal. 
Uh, and so I followed his career. The very first basketball game I ever went to was a Chicago Bulls game in Chicago. We lived just north of Chicago. That's, that's where uh, I grew up. And so, uh, I mean, I followed everything about Michael. I wanted to be Mike. And when they lost in the playoffs in 1988, 89, and 90 to the Detroit Pistons, I mean, I could... I feel like the spirit just left the building. Uh, I didn't... Totally unrelated, Teresa, but uh, to what I'm about to say. Growing up, and even as an adult, I was never much of a fighter. Like, I never got into much fisticuffs with anybody. But there was one kid when I was eight. His name was Norman. The only fight I can ever remember being in. I don't remember why we got in a fight, why Norman and I were fighting. What I do remember about Norman, he was a Pistons fan, Detroit Pistons. Uh, I don't know if that led to the fight, but that still sticks out in my memory. And then, and then we moved, and so I wasn't able to rejoice in my friend's face when the Bulls won the championship in 91, 92, 93, took two years off for baseball. That was a bad time in my life. And then won the championship again in 96, 97, 98. I mean, I was there when he got there, metaphorically. Uh, 200 steals, 100 blocks in the same season in 1987. He did it again in 88, and he was the MVP and the defensive player of the year. You guys tracking with me? Uh, well, hold on, hold on. If you guys don't, I got some stuff back here. Let's see. How... Oh, boy. Why, why are we groaning? If you had visited my bedroom in the late 80s, you would have seen that, that picture right there. I had another one. I can't, I can't find it. It was too bad. Uh, I always wanted a jersey, you know, 23. We never could afford it. Uh, sometimes my friend would let me borrow his jersey my best friend, and uh, so I had to settle for this shirt right here. That's uh, <laughs> Huh? It's good. Um, what, I was a member of the Air Jordan Flight Club in 1991. I've got this calendar. Oh, Micah. Sometimes I dream that he is me. That's how I... Like, Matthew, what is wrong? These are uh, <laughs> some Sports Illustrated with Michael on the cover. Let's see what this one... Uh, don't bag it, Michael. I feel that one. Uh, Showtime. This was uh, 1990. I think they were about to play the, the Lakers in their first championship there. A uh, tribute to Michael Jordan right there. All right. It gets better. Let's see. I got, uh, I got a Wheaties box. <laughs> don't judge. Please don't judge because I got more. I got more Wheaties boxes. <laughs> I got, I mean, I don't even know, something off the, the seats. This is from 1989, playoffs, Bulls versus Pistons. We should probably burn that one. They lost that one. Uh, Chicago Tribune, let's see, championship. I mean, I, you're like, Matthew, why do you still have that stuff? I figured if Elora gets to decide on the uh, furniture and the color of the walls and what goes on the walls, then I am going to keep one box in the basement, in the closet. I am man. Hear me roar. Thank you. I got somebody. I mean, I, you know, I got, I couldn't have Michael Jordan basketball cards. I used to go to uh, baseball card trading shows. Uh, and if you had met me 
around 1990, within a couple minutes, you would have known something about Michael Jordan. Like I had a, a reverential awe for Michael. Um, and I, the last thing, like I always wanted a pair of Air Jordans. Never had them. Recently, uh, Courtney was at the thrift shop and found this pair of Jordans for 35 bucks, circa 1988. They're old. I mean, these aren't, they're remakes. But when I wear them, like, man, I'm gonna, I can feel like I can go out in the gym. I can shake you up, hit that shot. Uh, I mean, I'm un- unstoppable. You're like, Matthew, what does that have to do with anything? It's what I was passionate about. It's what I was consumed about. And, and when we are blessing our neighbors and, and eating meals and sharing meals with people, what are we passionate about in those conversations? Like, is Jesus what we are exuding to them? Are, have we learned Christ enough to be able to uh, have Christ come out of us in those conversations, just naturally? Not three reasons on, on why you should repent and why, like, man, what has Jesus done in my life lately? What is, has Jesus done for me? And, and so are we speaking about Jesus with energy and enthusiasm, with reverence and awe, with delight and wonder. So what would Jesus want me to do? We've got to know him. We've got to know him. We've got to know him. We've got to learn Christ. So would you commit just one period of this coming week to learning something about Jesus? Sit down, read, just, just start where I started, just reading the Gospels. Just sit down for a few minutes, begin to read the Gospels and marinate our, our lives and our thoughts in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is my challenge for us, one, one period of time.